It is what's becoming a weekly crossover edition of Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Pac-12. Will Pac-12 football replace Tucker Carlson on Fox? Is that where, is that where Pac-12 football is heading? We'll talk about that on today's show. No, we'll talk about uh, Colorado kind of as a television product and also like just really odd spot. And, you know, I think with the conference in transition, with who their coach is, a team in transition, all of those things. So kind of attacking Colorado from a bunch of different angles. And then also conversation about the college football playoff. And the Pac-12, the Big 12, you know, the two conferences, are they with the ACC and expecting hopefully two teams a year? Are they going to be more of a most years one, sometimes two? What's it going to look like? We're going to break that down and share some thoughts on it. I'm Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. Spencer McLaughlin is here of Locked On Pac-12. And we have to start where everybody is starting. It's been pretty quiet, uh, you know, recently on the realignment news front. Spencer, are you hearing anything recently? Uh, how are you doing? Do you feel okay? Um, are you worried? About, I know this Comcast thing also is, is looming as well, too. Yeah. Uh, how are Pac-12 fans? How, how are we doing right now? Yeah, I, ha- I haven't. T- I've been trying to move into the spring football phase because we just kind of, I, I think, are in in the waiting game for the media deal. You know, Stuart Mandel hinted the timeline would be sometime end of May early June, which, you know, we've discussed before makes some sense and is discouraging on uh, the other hand and whatnot. The only recent piece of news for those who uh, are are more on the locked on Big 12 side of things, the chancellor, Phil DiStefano of University of Colorado, or as we know them, CU, uh, but I was corrected by somebody that's the University of Colorado. But fun fact, apparently, according to one random YouTube commenter who, and it seems correct, they don't go by UC, they go by CU so that no one confuses them with the UC school system. Kind of makes sense. Fair enough. He was, uh, he was being chatty as we've had some administrators and athletic directors do and presidents over, over the last couple of months. Yeah. Chirp, 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 chirp. And he was asked about many of things, including realignment and reiterated what I've said on my show for months, which is nobody wants to leave. And I I think you've been fair with this as well. Nobody wants to leave. And he also did throw in kind of the, the Robert Robbins line of no one is doing anything. No one is wanting to go anywhere. No one is chatting about, you know, going to the Big 12. No one's chatting about breaking off from the Pac 12. No one's going to do anything until we see you know, what the media deal actually is. And I, I suspect for, for a guy who also in those comments mentioned the academic component, which has a stronger future for Colorado and the Pac-12 than, than the Big 12 for reasons I've also outlined on, on my show for the last several months or so, I don't see him as having being as, as being in a mindset where he'd say, oh, I could get $3 million more a year in the Big 12. I'm going to go right. over there and that's the best interest like that. Now you can criticize that move, think, no, that's not the right thing for athletics. That's not the best thing to do all that sort of stuff. But I'm just trying to relay here what these presidents are communicating and what they are thinking. And I, I think president Robbins who had the direct quote down in Arizona, the, the president down there, why would we change conferences for a few million dollars a year more? So if you're the PAC 12 in terms of striking a dollar figure, that's not going to, you know, kind of continue to, to drive the, the social media mostly driven train of our school is going to jump to the big 12. You just have to get within striking distance of, of the big 12 there. And, And I feel like they can do that. And, you know, Apple is getting talked about more and more, uh, as, as time goes on here, I have long wanted Amazon cause they have a bigger subscriber base. So I feel like you could get more people there, but 
at the end of the day, it, it's it's a tough balancing act for for George Klyovkov in the Pac-12 right now. How do you value streaming, you know, limited exposure, so to speak? And we don't know what that can be in the future. We just kind of know what it is right now. But even right now, we don't really know because they don't put out those numbers super publicly and whatnot. How do you value that versus actual dollar figures, right? That's, I think, the balance that that George Klyovkov is trying to strike in addition to figure out who the media partners are actually going to end up being, getting people back to the table maybe, or introducing new players to the table. I, I think the timeline going out to you know May or June allows for the possibility of someone who we haven't discussed or heard anything about uh, either in a long time or ever in in these talks uh, with all the rumors that have gone about, I, I think it leaves open the possibility of basically starting from ground zero with with somebody there. But it, you know, I, I'm I'm in the same kind of headspace I was last time we talked, where it's like it's it, it's it's the same. It's like they're they're looking for a deal. I feel like they're going to get one, and they're going to use as much time as they possibly can to find the best deal that uh, that they can that 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 they can get whatever that looks like. Hey everyone, quick word from our sponsors, the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is America's number one sportsbook. It is so easy to use, it's even easier to sign up. You guys can go there now, fanduel.com slash locked on. When you guys do, you can get up to $1,000 back on your first bet in free bets if your bet does not hit. And you guys can bet on the NBA playoffs right now. They've got Dinger Tuesdays if you guys want to bet on Major League Baseball. They've got futures for things like the NFL draft for the next year's college football season. It's all happening at the FanDuel Sportsbook. They've got same game parlays. They have got prop bets. You guys can bet overs and unders on, you know, Austin Reeves points in Lakers game number five. All of those things. FanDuel.com slash locked on today to sign up. And once again, do not miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet misses fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel sportsbook make every moment more yep and we are approaching may now it's uh it's tuesday april 25th we as we are recording this yeah I, I think the couple constants once again we've both mentioned it they want to stay right and we don't think that a few million dollars is going to get them to leave but yeah. you know it's a combination of things right i think uh, using pemdas uh you know if those of you school right the parentheses it's you know it's almost like the streaming and linear are kind of in their own little parentheses thing and i guess you could also just call that maybe just exposure right maybe that's the right word just to kind of make it all one nice neat thing and then the outside of that is dollar value right so it's the exposure versus the dollar value conversation that's there uh any conversation about the future of the conference is really just you know it's it's about those things but like people you know and I, i've brought this up um, the lack of security is, is you know, it's something you have to question there, too, with Oregon and Washington. I mean, being too. Yeah, but you have to, you have to think, like, two big brands mm. like that. They've seen other schools jump, like, if there is an opportunity at all, even if it's oh. for Ballard Park. You know, for, the big ballpark. Ten, for the Big Ten, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Um, you know, you worry about the long-term health of the conference there with, with that. So I think we're in this, we're kind of in the same headspace. We, we, we've been there. Um, and kind of May is the deadline. That's kind of how we are, you know, moving forward here. I don't know about new players involved. Obviously, I think the big thing, I think it's going to be ESPN, maybe even Fox jumps back in, although there's no reporting. It says that they're there right now, but it could be opportunity there. Apple, Amazon, we're kind of in the same place. One thing that's been brought up this week, Spencer, and, and, and recently too, is uh, Colorado as a television property. Now, I know that you know, George Klyavkov, and he should have done this. He said that Colorado definitely having Deion Sanders would help, you know, it helps as a television property. 
he, what, what else is he going to say? He shouldn't say it hurts, right? Yeah. Um, well, and it, I mean, it, and it does help. In the short term, but not, yeah. but, but the problem with that is, is that there's no, I mean, it helps like a mint, like a, like a mint, not, not, not in a television contract. Negotiation. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it's like a tiny, it's like, because here's the thing, here's the thing, the only thing that we can guarantee value. with Deion Sanders, and look, I don't, I don't think he's going to be there just for one year, but the only thing that we can guarantee is that he will coach Colorado this year, right? I guess nothing yeah. in life is guaranteed, but like the one thing that we know for sure is Deion Sanders will coach Colorado football in 2023. Yes. He will be in the Pac 12 conference. Besides that, like we don't really know what the deal is going to be with him. And so I think it is, you know, I think this has been basically widely talked about, but I'm of the mind that it, while it'll be great this year, and it, you know, I think great for television ratings, it could be curious. Number one, they have to win. Like if they start, if they're like mid, you know, they use a term the kids use mid, you know, for, and I think mid for them would be like four and eight, five and seven, considering how bad the program has been. If you get over right? three wins, it's a great year. I wouldn't. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't know about three wins. Anything over three, they're not Kansas football. I mean, well, not, no, but their but know. their schedule is brutally tough. It's also, brutal. also, also, do you know how many winning seasons Colorado's had in, in their it's last one. in their last seventeen years? It's two. It's, it's yeah, the last ten. I think it's one. Right, the one Mike Mack. No, no, it's two in the last. Well, well, but one of them, one of them was the COVID year, so that doesn't really count. So <laughs> right, right, right. So really, it's, like, it's six games, or whatever. Yeah, whatever ends yeah. Up really, being. really, it's it's one. So and, as a television property, they don't add much, but like they are a really fascinating story because they could end up, you know, there's a chance to could up in either, in either league and they've got a coach that is going to make their program better. No doubt about it. But there's so much volatility with like, how long was he going to be there? And we're seeing roster turnover on a scale that I'm not sure we've ever seen before at, at a school. I mean, I, I'm reading an athletic article right now from Max Olson, 18 players in the portal, you know, 11 in an hour. I think the first day they had 18 jump. We knew Deion Sanders promised it. It's almost just staggering to see it happen in real time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that surprised by it. I mean, he came in and one of the first, you know, kind of public viewpoints we saw of Deion Sanders was him talking to a team of current Colorado football players and basically saying, you guys weren't very good. You're not going to be here next year. Get out. I mean, that that, right. that, that was one of the first things we saw. And Which I thought was really a bad idea on his part, but still. I don't, I don't think, I, I think, do I think there's some talent. There's there got to be some talent evaluation. And we also know the the best thing you can do in this, in the sport is add depth. And so you can't tell me that there aren't some, if they study the tape, there aren't some diamonds in the rough that could have been rotational On last guys year's Colorado team. The, but here's the thing. You have to build not just your front line you have to build your second and third lines. And I'm sure there's some guys right. who could have at least been replacement level guys, uh, replacement, replacement level people like somebody's prob hurt. Probably. But those are, but those are going to be a dime a dozen and really easy for Deion Sanders to get because he's Deion Sanders and the transfer portal being, being what it is now. So, they, you know, they've had all these, I, I think the most surprising was, was Montana Lamonius Craig. Uh, who I talked about on on yesterday's show as being a great great candidate to go to USC or UCLA. He's from Inglewood, and both those coaches know offense and they throw the ball. So I, I think that that could be a, a fit down there, and I would certainly watch for that. Though he'd be a fit at a number of uh, Pac-12 schools. But I think with all the guys leaving, it, it's easy to paint the picture of oh my gosh, things are suddenly going wrong. What is happening here? Colorado's in a tailspin. Look, Dion said like it, it's fodder for people who can't stand Deion Sanders and want him to fail every day from now until the end of time with everything he touches on a football field as a coach, uh, specifically in, in the Pac-12 conference and whatnot. But I, I don't see it as a major obstacle because if you're telling me that more guys are are leaving the, the, the program, okay, 
What what exactly did they have from last year that you really want to hold on to? Right. I'm like, there right. was nothing about that team. They had the worst offense in the Pac-12. They had, I'm pretty sure, the worst defense in the Pac-12. Every, everything was a mess. Like the only thing that could have been worse is if they hadn't beaten Cal, a game they should have lost, by the way, and gone 0-12. That's the only thing that could have been worse. So if you're telling me there's more turnover from last year, and now they've had a couple, uh, I think, decommitments on the recruiting trail as well. So Colorado is now like every other program, right? You look at the Colorado now and say, well, they're trying to rebuild. They need to add these guys. They got to bring in. They've already brought in a bunch of players. I saw something the other day. They've added, I think, 29 transfers and had 29 transfers away from the program. That's good because you need to start fresh. You need to completely start over if you're Colorado. There's nothing about last year's team you want to hold on to. You want to go in and you want to be there. With You want to go forward if you're Deion Sanders and the Buffs with guys who want to be there. You don't want guys who are, you know, one foot in, one foot out, half want to be there, half don't and whatnot. That's not what it takes, right? Even with Coach Prime, there's still a lot of work to be done at Colorado, and you have to have guys who are all in on establishing a culture there. And Coach Prime's at the center of it, but players are going to make that up at the end of the day. So if you have guys who are hesitant about playing time or who want to hit the portal, want to play more, not sure about Coach Prime and whatnot, fine. I I, I think that's totally fine. And when, when you get as down as Colorado has been for as long as they have been down for a team that was back in the 90s, by the way, near the top of college football. I, right. I mean, they were I'm pretty sure they have a national championship back in uh, the 90s. They they went to major bowl games. They were conference champion. Like they, they were really good. And they have just completely obliterated that institutional brand respect. So I think Deion Sanders coming in and ruffling feathers and having guys leave don't want to be there and whatnot. I think that's a good thing for Colorado yeah and I I was just more on the, tra- the, the the trail of I mean it's staggering right uh 46 transfers they had 20 remaining players 20 remaining scholarship players from the school they got 83 scholarships they yeah. had 20 20 remaining as of Monday night it's look, stag- I'm not saying wholesale it's staggering chance. but I'm, it's good oh I'm, I'm look I'm with you my more point to the message was like look if you do a deep dive the you cannot tell me, and look, there's now 20 guys still on the roster. You can't tell me there were a few guys who'd be like, look, if we actually gave him the correct coaching, this guy could help us in some ways. There are definitely some of those guys. That was my point with the with the look, like we don't yeah. you don't need to make a blank blanket statement. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he talks to some of the guys individually uh, and whatnot. I, I just think it is um it's funny because I think the end of the line, we see him. In the, in the southeast part of the country. I think that's, you know, that's not an unfair thing to say. That is where he's from. Mm-hmm. I believe the way he is going to do things, no matter how he does things, and I'm going to be very careful what this is, is going to be received differently there than it will be here. Um, even if this works, I think there will be a fair amount of folks that if he goes to the southeastern conference, they might say, well, this ain't the Pac-12. It's not gonna, and look, it's not. It, it's It's a bit different. But who's saying that he couldn't curtail a roster. So it's, it's very odd. And I've seen this circle a lot recently. There was a lot of anti Deion Sanders sentiment coming up and I've been oh, yeah. very, Oh, I see it. I I'm see it. Very, all the very curious about why this is all. Cause here's the thing. I think he's good. I actually think he's good for the sport. I think it's nice to have coaches that don't do the, you know, don't do stuff. Cause a lot of times I feel like a lot of these coaches are super insincere, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is he very much himself, right? This is kind of always who we've known Deion Sanders to be. And I enjoy that about him. So I, I'm just fascinated by this. And it's so Colorado is so interesting 
in their football future because they've got a conference that they joined, you know, recently and have not had very much success in. There is a chance, albeit however small you think it is, they could go back to a conference they were in before. All the while, they have this like transcendent, maybe one of the most, maybe the most charismatic head coach that we've seen in the last, you know, 20, 30 years in college football. Uh, or maybe, you know, yeah, I, mean, I guess he's as, up a, there. I don't... as a singular character, he's one of them. He's got to be one of the more intriguing folks that we've seen. Uh, and and so. kind of the quantity of the unknown. I mean, the story is a fantastic, you know, all while trying to turn around, like you mentioned, what had been a very historic program. They are they are in this unbelievably bizarre spot for a program like there is the ground beneath them is shaking. And in, in a lot of ways, it's exciting. But also, I think it could be scary for some fans just because, oh, my God, where are we playing our football yeah, games? But, but here, here, here's, here's, the, here's the other thing. And you, tu- you, you touched on it in in the myriad of points that you made, most of which I agree with, by the way. He is at some level just inherently good for the sport. Yeah, oh, he, I think on all, I think on most levels, he's every to story needs good villains, and I think Deion Sanders, frankly, is an intriguing type of villain for some people because you'll have people who get in his camp, and you'll have people who are firmly on the other side. And I, I'm here for all of it. I, I talk about this on my radio show all the time. I love, absolutely love, Dylan Brooks going out and and talking smack to LeBron James. I'm so here for it. Right. I'm not I'm not here for shots below the belt. That's that's when we're that's when we're crossing the line and whatnot. But the NBA, I think for a while, you know, they've had a big, big ratings decline. I think they need people who who kind of get fans riled up a bit. Right. Whether it's genuine or not, I think it is with these guys. But the Draymond Greens, the the Dylan Brookses of the world, they make it more enticing. Right. Every time Draymond Green and Demonis Sabonis are going one on one in the game, I can't look and I can't look anywhere else. I can't, I can't look anywhere else. Right. Or look at um, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. If you told me right right now, Josh, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark play tomorrow, that's must see television. It's must, it's must watch TV. And and we've had this over the years, right? Old school Red Sox and Yankees, Duke and North Carolina basketball, like all these great rivalries had guys. But who is going to be, it's funny then who is the foil, right? Who is kind of the other side of this? Now, in college sports, like you can I just think it's be just a kind of ev- I think it's generally. just kind of every, everybody. But, so here's here's what's or interesting. Or Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's actually very fair. Yeah. So my issue, my issue with with Dion, I have not loved the way he is. I, I didn't love the way he spoke to the team because I'm like, I'd seem short-sighted once again. I believe any roster, if you develop guys right, like you can find some some gems. I also haven't loved the way that he's treated the media. Right, like saying you have to call me Coach Prime. Would you call Nick Saban Nick? Is it's just wrong? Like the entire reporting room at Al- you know all the reporters at Alabama call him Nick. So, you know, I think um, I think that's going to be really fascinating to watch is how he handles the media because he is himself, sure, but also to you know as you move up the ranks, like at Jackson State, a lot of the folks who are covering you, it's it's so great for HBCU football to have him there. And, you know, you can maybe mm-hmm. put up with some, some you know, other things because of that. Like, and he's great for college football, generally speaking, as well, too. But just make sure that you are, you know, respecting the folks in the media as well, because uh, they if they turn on you, it can be much more difficult. Some of those relationships are very, very important. And it can be much more difficult to uh, get the folks in town on your side. If well, the folks, you know, who are involved in a lot of situations well, uh, are not in your corner. OK, so, so here, here's what I'll say to that. 
Many people know I'm even rocking a state of Oregon shirt today, but I'm I'm an Oregon Duck fan. Have been my my entire life. When Chip Kelly, I, was, was, I knew you're gonna go. I knew you're going this yeah, direction. When 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 Chip going, Kelly yeah. burst onto the scene as Oregon's right. head coach, it got off to that rocky start, and then some with Legarrette Blunt and the punch at Boise State and everything, and there were questions about him. But as he became kind of this star in college football, because it was look at what Oregon's doing. They're going faster than everybody else. They've got flashy uniforms. They've got big facilities. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, Oregon was a team that everybody wanted to be. And Chip Kelly, at the face of it, he was not the media's best friend all the time. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't – he was more quirky than he was straight-up combative at times. Um, Depending on, depend on the interview, I, I think, yes, there's an introverted nature uh, to to Chip Kelly, and you know now it's it's not the same as it was. But back in in that era, you know the media on the whole did not like him very much, right? Some some Fair. people did, but he didn't give them a lot of information to go off of. He was the king of short answers. Like his, I, I honestly miss his his going into halftime tunnel interviews with uh, with with, with sideline reporters on on the broadcast. They'd ask him these questions. Um, you know, what do you need to do to get your offense going? Well, we're fine. Well, you only put up 10 points in the first half. Eh, we're a second half ball club. We'll make some adjustments. We're good. Right. Right. Dion is Dion's different from that. I, I will say too, in the individual inter interview settings, he's fantastic. Yeah. No. He's yeah. So good. I think. Yeah. Chip, yeah. Whereas, whereas Chip was more still just kind of short, and he's like, "Yeah, right. I got to be here. I got to do this. I understand it. I just." Yeah. All that for is just in this. Maybe yeah. just maybe. I, I, I just want to go. I just want to go coach football and whatnot. But to what yeah. you said about you know if he gets too combative is you know the the Colorado fan base going to stay behind him? My my answer with the Chip Kelly example is as long as you win games, you're fine. Winning cures. Right all ills you will they will put up with anything as long as you win games and and i think that he's going to be given that opportunity to you know start winning football games but if it doesn't go well if we're in year three and they haven't gotten over 500 then that stuff will be a bigger talking point then that stuff will be you know seemingly contributing to the uh, the noise quote unquote about does dion need to be moved on from and all that sort of stuff because then people are looking for, right? So Russell Wilson's another good example. Russell Wilson won and won and won. And he was, you know, a, a square. He was quirky. He was go Hawks. He was this corny kind of guy for right. a long, long time. People didn't care as much. Then once he started losing, it becomes something that, that media pundits and everyone and fans use as a metaphorical punching bag, right? Like it's got a bit weirder though. I love to say that. He, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you could say that, but again, that. he's always been kind of weird. He's always been that, that guy who's just very down the line and very boring. And, you know, is he really being authentic or is he just kind of a, a character or whatever? And, and, and all that sort of stuff that gets worse when you lose. But if you win, that noise is very, very quiet. Uh, and I think once again, I, you know, I, I think it was Rich Eisen, maybe the interview that he did where he talked about what kind of players he wants. I forgot where it was. I might be wrong with that. Where he talked about what kind of players, you know, like what kind of households he wanted guys from. And that was that was split. You know, there were a lot of folks who didn't like the way he talked about it. But, you know, I think a lot of people said, hey, he's saying the quiet part out loud. And I think it was really interesting to hear somebody say that kind of stuff out loud. And I appreciate his candor. And I think that's really good for the sport because it's peeling back the onion in an impressive way. So, uh, once again, unbelievably fascinating test case Deion Sanders is going to be wherever it's going to happen. And I think both Big 12 fans uh, and and Pac-12 fans uh, deserve to have a lot of interest in what happens at that program moving forward. One thing we have to touch on is also um, 
the college ball playoff. And I guess, I guess we'll save a little bit of this for a different show. Cause we went 20, 20 some minutes here, but you know, it, the, the most interesting part about this television conversation, the PAC 12 and whatnot is that as, as the big 10 and sec have begun to break away in terms of financial dollars and really just widening that gap. Now, you know, it's almost like American Pharaoh here at the end of the Belmont. Just, I mean, they're slapping that horse and it is, it is kicking ass and taking names. It's funny because the access to the crown jewel in the sport has now gotten, has now been increased, right? Six conferences now have a chance to go. And I, I believe it's a really interesting backdrop to this whole conversation because and not have reaching, a chance six conferences minimum every year will go to the college football playoffs. We'll go to the CFP every single year. It's sick. It's going to happen. I know it's sick. Well, I know. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of this. Oh gosh. But it's I can't stand it. Right, that, that while the money gap is widening, the access to the CFP is, is, um, also you know, it's widening, widening too. It's kind of weird. These weird, weird things. I just, do you think that's an interesting backdrop? Because I think we've mentioned access as a, as a huge talking point here. Yeah. In the Pac-12. Well, I, I think it's one reason, you know, I'm not a fan of the 12 team playoff. Love if you it. want to come at me for that opinion, by all means, my Twitter handle is right down there. For those of you listening at smalls underscore 55, I will talk your ear off on, on why, why I feel that way with regards to college football. But I do think that there's real upside for the Pac-12 and that, you know, teams like Oregon and Washington are significantly more inclined to stay. Would they go to the Big Ten if an offer came? I believe yes. But I think they're more inclined, athletically speaking, to to have 10 toes down in the Pac-12 because the 12-team playoff is there. Because if you're Oregon and Washington, right, Washington's a much better academic institution. They have a lot of other priorities. But for Oregon, it's their number one goal as a school is to win a national championship. Like that, that is what I know the president will say all this, but that's what they're that's what they're shooting for. That's what Uncle Phil wants. That's what he's put all this money into the program for. So if you're Oregon and Washington, you look at the Pac-12 and say, well, if we're gonna add San Diego State and SMU, we're kind of the top dogs here, along with Utah and you know, maybe Colorado or Oregon State, whoever, but we just have to win the conference to get an automatic slot there. That feels like a really viable option. But then getting into the playoff, if you don't win the conference championship in the Big 12 and the Pac-12, I don't think is going to be super easy, right? It's obviously more accessible than the four-team model where even a conference championship doesn't guarantee you a slot, which is something I was a fan of, but anyway. So I, I, I think that you look at what 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 is the playoff going to actually look like, right? Six highest-rated conference champions. So we'll assume that's Power 5 and probably, I don't know, the American Right. Let's let, let's just say, for instance, which is getting a shake up, but still is probably the best chief or, or the Mountain West. Maybe. I don't know. Let's let's say you have your six highest rated conference champions in there and it's the power five and the Mountain West. OK, so that's six slots gone and only one school from the Big 12 and one school from the Pac-12 there. So now you're actually going for six at large slots, which is not that different from what we currently have, which is going for four at large slots. So. The SEC is going to take at least one more. The Big Ten is going to take at least one more, right? I, I, I think we agree on that front. So now we're down to four, and you're competing with other ACC schools. You're competing with other Big Ten and SEC schools. Like, is it out of the realm of possibility to say the SEC could send four teams to a 12-team playoff? I don't think so at all. I think that's pretty realistic, honestly. I think it'll be a minimum of three per year, and I think it'll be a maximum of five. I, I, I could even... I don't know record wise. It's if not they would, be six. I don't think it'd be six, but I think four. Gonna, four is gonna be tough too. I don't think so. No, 
finding two teams that were excluded from a we almost we we almost we almost had a two loss bama team into the into a four-team playoff this year right how many sec teams would have made it in the 12-team playoff this year you would have had Georgia. question you would have had alabama you know you would have had tennessee at least right i think i think four is i think four is like that's gonna be the probably where you sit right i know some folks probably would have wanted lsu but lsu lost AM. that would have not been tenable to me uh you don't get to yeah, lose L- that. But, so, L- but lsu the other team you're talking about a top 12 right four is four is possible there. definitely possible it's i think i think it's more difficult kind of when we you know when you really have to to kind of make the decision make it happen but yeah the, the four this year would have been you know was it georgia alabama tennessee and then i guess your last one would have been well, it would have been tough this year. They would have gotten three. Three three would have been this year. So yeah. Right. So and see I, what I'm saying? And it's, I, it's and I be... think that and I think that's the minimum for the SEC. Right. So then now if talking... LSU had beaten AM, right? We're having a, a, a different conversation. There Correct. Correct. Right. right. So, so you're one one yeah. game away from maybe having four SEC teams in the playoff in, in a 12 team format in 2022. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility going forward. And I think for the Big 12 and the Pac 12, given that their conferences are significantly weaker without USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, and Texas in them. I think it's a pretty tough road. Like, I think two is the max. I think it's the absolute max. And frankly, I don't know if consistently both conferences could generate one at-large team in addition to their conference champion. I think I think combined, the max for the Big 12 and Pac-12 is four. And I think it probably is, is more often three than it's four. I think the good news was last year you would have seen you would have seen two from both, right? Uh, you know, you would have seen uh, – and Washington ended up being a lot higher, you know, in the end. But Utah and USC would have both been in there at the very end. And then for the Big 12, you would have seen uh, – you would have seen Kansas State, obviously, and TCU both go. And then the year before, you would have seen Baylor and Oklahoma State. So it's possible. But we'll, we'll tackle this more later on. Uh, Spencer, where can people find you and your work in all of its variety? I am at Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter. I host Locked On Pack 12 and Locked On Ducks Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow the shows on Twitter as well. And Josh, it is uh, always, always fun to come on here and uh, chop it up. The banter is always great for you Pack 12 fans who are looking for some Big 12 talk. Uh, you guys can find us Locked On Big 12 wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO Big 12. Spencer, likewise, it's always a pleasure, my man. Always indeed. I don't know if you get too many Pac-12 fans, though. They're not quite as obsessed with the Big oh, 12 we do. as you guys we are do. with they, us. No, they, they, come, they come over. They hang out. 